Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the Redeemed and Restored podcast where we connect every Friday so that together we can intentionally discover the faithfulness of God. So today's episode of Redeemed and Restored is entitled Enemy Strategies Exposed. After I hit the proverbial wall going 500 miles an hour and repented for relaunching my unhealthy pattern of self-medicating with work and success, I once again was vulnerable to deception and easy prey for the enemy. You'll hear today how I continued to have a target on my back, especially after we began understanding some incredible insights into the enemy's strategies and how closely they parallel the guerrilla warfare tactics used by the Viet Cong in the Vietnam War. In earlier wars, conventional warfare was used, which is very much out in the open. What you see is what you get. You see your enemy, they see you. But in guerrilla warfare, the enemy is stealth, hiding, camouflaged, in plain sight, undetectable until he does his dirty work and creates a deadly firestorm or a landmine to surprise his foe. I think back to how easily I was blindsided by the enemy. He snuck up on me and lured me in before I even realized what had happened. I remember hearing about how men who joined the military had a code of conduct which included never surrendering of their own free will. When I first heard that, I thought, hmm, that kind of mentality is the opposite of what God is calling us to, a daily surrender to Him. But if you actually read that article in the Code of Conduct, it's all about how you respond to the enemy. We should never surrender of our own free will to the enemy's rule. We surrender to our Lord, but not to our enemy. So I filmed the introduction to this episode uh, for the broadcast in front of the Biltmore Estate in Asheville after I was there serving on faculty for the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference just a few miles away from the estate. That place is nothing short of stunning and majestic. My friend Cynthia says it's the closest thing we have to royalty here in the United States. But you know, the more I thought about it, Jesus is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He is the ultimate royalty. And if you've been grafted into his family, then you too are royalty, a princess or a prince of the most high God. So here's what I'm thinking. When we get to heaven, our home for eternity might just look like that incredible piece of architecture. Can I just say, I'm looking forward to that, and I hope my room in that mansion is like my favorite room of all at the Biltmore, the library. It was incredible. So hey, take a moment to write a review on Apple so even more folks can find this podcast and are encouraged by it. Or you may even know someone who needs to hear this message So please share the link with others. You may even want to visit my YouTube channel to see the video version of this podcast and connect with the conversations happening over there. Just head on over to YouTube and type in Athena Dean Holtz into the search bar 
and you'll find the video broadcast there. So hey, let's get started. Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here with this week's edition of Redeemed and Restored. Today's segment is titled Enemy Tactics Exposed. I shared last week how I totally got sidetracked from trusting God as we worked in the ministry. Now, by this point, I co-founded Wine Press Publishing with Chuck. Four months of depression after realizing my detour into multi-level marketing was a strategic distraction from the enemy. I was super confused and really didn't know what God wanted from me. As I got quiet before him for direction, he clearly led us into helping others publish. After our own success with the Nam Vet book, the ministry had needed the resource to hand out at different veteran events, and no one else was including the faith aspect to dealing with post-traumatic stress. In fact, the Veterans Administration just told these tormented men to just take their drugs and learn to cope with their PTSD symptoms. Not good. It's a really sad state of affairs. So when publishers kept rejecting the manuscript, we ended up meeting someone who could help us publish it ourselves under the ministry. It was a total answer to prayer, as this guy told us that he could do the rewrite that was so desperately needed in order to make the message the best it could be. He could help us get the cover design, do the text layout and design, issue an ISBN number, and get 10,000 copies printed for us for just a dollar a piece. We knew it was an answer to prayer, but at this point in the ministry, we were not at all flush with cash. So coming up with $10,000 was not something that we knew we could do. We just knew that this was God's plan and that if it was his plan, he would provide. So when a man walked into the point man offices about a week or 10 days later and told us he'd heard about our ministry, believed in what we were doing and heard we had a need and then proceeded to write a check for the entire amount. Well, you know, we knew we had heard from God correctly and that he was providing for this step of obedience that we were willing to take. We ended up going through 10,000 books in less than two years. And then God orchestrates this divine appointment in the green room as we waited to be interviewed by Sheila Walsh on the 700 Club. This took the book to a greater exposure through Multnomah Publishers buying the rights and then giving the message new wings. The successful experience brought many people to our door asking, well, can you help me with my book? So we co-founded Wine Press Publishing, which really became the first credible self-publisher back in the early 90s before self-publishing was even ever considered a viable option. I began to pioneer the indie publishing movement in the Christian market, and as we grew in favor as a publisher with integrity and excellence, once again, we had a target on our backs because we were writing content that was setting Vietnam veterans and their family members free from the enemy's hold on their lives. In the Reveille magazine, put out by the ministry, 
in the books we were publishing as resources for the ministry, and in the workshops and keynotes that we wrote and delivered at veteran events and conferences all across the country. Then we began helping aspiring authors with their messages to get them published and available to those who needed to hear the message they provided. Well, I'll tell you what, the enemy did not like that even one little bit. One of the books we published during these early years of Wine Press Publishing spotlighted the things that we were realizing were significant to all believers, not just veterans. We were beginning to draw parallels between the tactics of the Viet Cong and Satan. Guerrilla warfare, which was a whole new strategy in the military. In World War I and II, that was considered conventional warfare. When you were in combat, you saw your enemy clearly. Everything was out in the open. But in this new war with the Viet Cong, there was a totally different strategy in doing battle. First, the foundation of psychological warfare that was being waged. Then add to that the cunning and deceptive way they would wage war. Think about it. They would strap a hand grenade on maybe a two or three-year-old kid and then send them into a group of our soldiers. Once the soldiers started paying attention and giving the kid candy, they would detonate the grenade and maim or kill all the soldiers. Then they would hide in the trees, covered with foliage, so they wouldn't be seen. And they would pick off the point man, the first guy in the platoon, of the guys making their way through the jungle, looking for any signs of the enemy. The element of surprise was always a factor as the bullet came out of nowhere. Then they would bury landmines and just wait for our men to step on one and blow themselves and anyone around them up. Another tactic was called cutting the pie. This is where the soldiers would dig in at night to keep watch for the enemy. They would dig holes in the form of a large circle, a perimeter around their gear and those who were on sleeping shifts. Each hole would be manned by one of our soldiers and they would face out with their gun at the ready. The way the enemy would wreak havoc was to penetrate the perimeter in between two of those holes in the ink black of night. No one could see the enemy. They could only hear the commotion. The enemy would cross the perimeter and quickly move back out. But our soldiers would hear the noise and shoot in that direction. Now, if you think about it, that means one soldier over on one side is shooting toward the noise which is going toward the other side and vice versa. So they were shooting at the noise, but they were in reality shooting at each other. How often does that happen in our marriages? The enemy comes in, creates division, then hightails it out while we shoot at each other. Remember the scripture in Ephesians 6, 12 that says our battle is not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness? 
This is a great example of how our enemy sucks us into seeing our spouse or in a church situation, it might be our pastor or the worship leader or the Bible study leader or that woman who looked at you funny. I'm sure you could think of some times where you have seen this happen firsthand. The unholy realm infiltrates a relationship, a church, a business, a situation, and the people involved begin attacking each other instead of recognizing who the enemy really is. When you think about it, in Vietnam, our men gave plenty of open doors to the enemy with drugs and prostitutes. So when Buddhist monks began praying curses onto our servicemen, those evil prayers were answered. Can you see how this kind of unfair advantage and hidden warfare was emotionally devastating to our troops? Add to that the government in Vietnam playing audio tapes of Jane Fonda verbally attacking our country's decision to be involved in the war and siding with the enemy, wearing down their morale with this type of psychological warfare was their expertise, and we were not ready for it. So as we began teaching these parallels, showing how Satan and his hosts of hell use similar tactics we were once again marked with that huge target on our backs and the strategies intensified to knock us off track. We even shared these parallels in a book entitled Behind Enemy Lines, where we had permission to quote a Wycliffe missionary who had experienced incredible pushback by the unholy realm as he served in other countries and was shocked at how ill-prepared he was and how all missionaries were to fight the battle, as his denomination and his missionary organization had pretty much ignored the truth of our enemy and the strategies he uses against us. It wasn't long before I started feeling dead inside. I wasn't sure what was going on. I just knew something wasn't right. I started to pull away and isolate as I moved into a downstairs bedroom, I asked if we could go to counseling. We were referred to this Christian counselor close by, and as he interviewed each one of us separately, he completely glossed over all the trauma in my past and came to the conclusion that the answer to our problems was that I love to work and Chuck loved to play. So we just needed to learn to play in each other's backyards. I needed to learn to play. He needed to learn to work. How lame. It was so discouraging to get so little help from this counselor. I pretty much gave up and continued to go silent, spiraling deeper and deeper into depression. The next thing I knew, one of the authors that we'd published shared with us the growing concern about Y2K. And he told us of his plans to move his family to Eastern Washington, where he could buy like a hundred acres of property for next to nothing. He painted a picture of the world falling apart and how we could be safe havens for those who'd lost everything if we just relocate to a self-contained area. So we and a few other veteran couples went headlong into a new cause, looking for a place to band together and move to. 
It wasn't long before we found Enumclaw, a small, conservative, self-contained town in the shadow of Mount Rainier. We decided to move there and move the business down as well to prepare and all the ministry that would come along with Y2K. Another cause was the focus of my attention, so the deadness I was feeling and God's prompting to allow him into the stuffed-down pain in my life was once again ignored in the wake of this new focus. In fact, once we'd relocated down in this small rural town, one of the other veteran couples on this mission with us suggested we try out a home church led by someone he knew from his old church. We began to visit this new brand of church, which was part of the house church movement, and we were drawn in once again by the cause we heard preached. This movement declared that the conventional church that still met in buildings was no longer relevant, ate up way too much money, and was an archaic system. It was the wide road. In fact, they believed the conventional church was like Babylon, and we were having real church, like the early church did in homes where the overhead was eliminated and a sense of family was much more significant. We thought we'd found the promised land and were part of something that everyone needed to hear about. Can you see the pattern here? Every time God wanted to get close to my pain, the enemy brought a new cause for me to get revved up about. So have you ever found yourself focusing on things that make you feel good instead of embracing the pain that God is allowing to surface in your life? I spent so many years running from that pain that when it was finally time to really allow him to work, the enemy knew full well how to get me running in the opposite direction. I trust you're beginning to see situations in your own life where maybe the enemy came in and caught you off guard. You know, the scripture in 2 Corinthians 2.11, where Paul says that we make a choice to forgive in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes or ignorant of his designs. We need to begin to see the pattern in our own lives so that we can be on guard and not allow the enemy of our souls to pull us off track. So, hey, thanks for joining me today. I look forward to connecting with you next week on Redeemed and Restored. And as usual, I'd sure appreciate it if you would follow the drill. Like, follow, share, comment on the episode. I'd love to also connect with you and just hear what God is doing in your life and what he's showing you. My name is Athena Dean Holtz, and this is Redeemed and Restored. So thanks for joining us today on the Redeemed and Restored podcast, brought to you by Athena Dean Holtz and the Romans 828 Bookstore, a division of Redemption Press. 
I'd love to have you review and share this podcast with friends, family, and others who could use the encouragement. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Athena Dean Holtz for more tips and tools to help you find the faithfulness of God. So thanks for joining us today. See you next week for another episode of Redeemed and Restored.